I hope every uh, mother had a great Mother's Day out there. We had uh, a little nice family get-together yesterday, and uh, my mom, in case you didn't know, is the best mom in the world. In the mom of the world ranking, she is number one in the RPI and has been for a while. I know your mom's really close, but my mom was number one again. So, uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Belated Mother's Day out there. All right, we got a lot of things happening in the world of sports. The Sooner softball team sweeps Bedlam over the weekend. They get ready for the Big 12 tournament beginning on Friday for Oklahoma against either Iowa State or Baylor. The Cowgirls will play on Thursday in a 2-7 matchup with Kansas. But how about Oklahoma? Jocelyn Allo with the grand slam in the fifth inning in the finale of that series. Oklahoma State's defense was shaky in the series. The Sooners outscore Oklahoma State 18-4 in three games. And again, they go to 48-1 of the season. They win their 10th straight Big 12 championship. Sooner baseball, nice weekend in Fort Worth. They take two of three. From uh, TCU, they have West Virginia coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sooners looking good in the RPI, looking good for the tournament right now. And, uh, you know, they have a couple good series. They have uh, West Virginia, then they go to Wichita State for a single game on a Monday night, close out a series in Lubbock against Texas Tech. But Oklahoma playing some good baseball right now. Cowboys swept uh, their series with Southeast Missouri State. Rich Strike wins the Kentucky Derby an 80-1 to shot. The owner, a local Rick Dawson, did you see the description of the Silks for Rich Strike? An 80-to-1 long shot, the second biggest long shot to ever win at Churchill Downs. Sooner red and white halves, white bars on Sooner red sleeves, and a Sooner red cap for the winner, Rich Strike, on Saturday. Man, I've been tuning three minutes and he already talking horse racing and diamond sports. But you know what? But hey, you know what? It's the connected Kentucky to OU. OU. It's connected to OU, right? Honestly, the Kentucky Derby is one of those events that I, I forget it's happening every year. Yeah. But undeniably, that was awesome. That was unbelievable. To watch that unfold. Yeah, for, because, for him. That horse not even be in the field and all of a sudden to come in at 80-1 to 1 and win the race and have the Oklahoma ties, that was pretty incredible. And the right? way it won, too. Like, I'm, I'm no horse racing guru. Nor am I. to see that horse kick it into gear in the final few strides and just blow everybody out of the water down the stretch. Pretty amazing. Very impressive. Very fun. And obviously, uh, with the local ties to the state of Oklahoma, uh, that makes it all the more noteworthy. So Yep, no doubt. You got that. Uh, got softball. Yeah, softball. Those girls, what, still only one loss. Yeah, what a, what a home run. What a grand slam by Jocelyn Allo. She's inevitable. W- were you surprised, though? No, she's inevitable. She is? Yeah, I love how the uh, Sooner Softball uh, Twitter account put up bases loaded for Jocelyn Allo. You know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a great quote tweet right there. By the way, we have NBA basketball tonight. Boston at the Bucks. Milwaukee leads that series two games to one. 6.30 on TNT. Grizzlies at Golden State. Late game tonight, 9 o'clock on TNT. We're only eight days away from the uh, draft lottery. It'll be a week from tomorrow night. Oklahoma City picking four, picking 12. If they stay there, depends on what the ping pong balls say. 30 and 34. We had the Mavs beating the Suns last night, even that series of two games apiece. We had the Sixers behind a really good effort from James Harden last night, tying up their series with Miami. And we also have uh, the PGA Championship on the horizon, 11 days out. Max Homa winning the Wells Fargo Championship over the weekend. So think about what we have next week. We have the uh, PGA in Tulsa. We have the OU Golf Regional. 
We have Oklahoma State playing in Columbus in the NCAA golf tournament. We have the NBA draft lottery, and we have OU and OSU softball regionals uh, coming up next week. So we get a lot of things happening. But I want to talk about recruiting because first, let's talk about there is uh, some good news for Oklahoma on the horizon. But Gary Bohannon is not coming to OU. Yes, Gary Bohannon, not in the picture. And as we were talking about on Friday, this was one you kind of always had to temper your expectations with. Yes, there was some confidence on the OUN that they were a legitimate player for Gary Bohannon. But at the end of the day, a kid gets into the portal because he's not starting. Where's he going to look? He's going to look somewhere where he can be the starter. All right. So if that opportunity is on the table, especially at such a picturesque locale as Tampa, it's probably safe a safer bet that Gary Bohan is going to end up somewhere like USF. I know Missouri was in the running as well, but Oklahoma never really had the inside track. Was I was surprised. Could, to, I was surprised to see them as a contender, actually. Yeah, well, I, right. Yes, exactly, because it's blatantly obvious to anybody that follows OU football. Right, the starting quarterback battle, or rather, the <laughs> I guess the race. To be the starting quarterback, it's non-existent this year. And I know Muleshoe has tried to sell us on one for each of the last five years. Jeff Lebby came in and immediately shut mm, that down. Yeah. He said, nope, Dylan Gabriel's the starter, and that's that. So it was always going to be more of a pitch for 2023 for a guy like Gary Bohannon than it was for 2022 because Gabriel's your guy this year. The hope for Gary Bohannon would be that you could pitch something along the lines of, hey, you know what, come on in, sit a year, learn the system, and then guess what? In 2023, if Dylan Gabriel moves on, you're doing battle with a redshirt freshman and a true freshman for this job. If you don't like your odds, you can go ahead, pick up your tent, and transfer somewhere else. But if you do earn the job in 2023, what better place to play your senior season and what kind of place is going to give you the exposure in terms of NFL scouts showing up to your games on a weekly basis than the University of Oklahoma? Yeah, but even for the greatest car salesman out there, that's a tough sell, man. Yes, it, is. it is. It's like, okay, we've got a car here, man. It's a great car. Now, you're not going to be able to drive it unless the other guy, you know, decides that he's not healthy enough to drive or he can't drive. And then you can get in the car and drive it. But you know what? In a year, you might be able to drive the car. Who knows if the other guy is still going to be here? He may want another car in the NFL. But you might be able to drive this car. That's how I'm going to sell you. So when we saw that over the weekend, not a huge surprise uh, that Gary Bohannon, the former Baylor starting quarterback who was beaten out by Chapin uh, in Waco, commits to the University of South Florida. But you have been talking up the 2024 class for a while. Yes. You think that's where Oklahoma's really going to strike oil, right? It has the potential to be one of the greatest classes in program history if this staff plays their cards right because so many things, so many stars are aligning, Mike, in a way that you just don't see every year. And it's kind of astonishing how many elite players in the 2024 class have Oklahoma ties. And we've been talking about Stacy Gage. Uh, a lot of people think is the top running back in that class. David Stone, who's one of the top D linemen in that class, certainly up in the top five. And now Peyton Pierce, the linebacker, looks like a good possibility for Oklahoma. A very good possibility. Tell so. us about him. Uh, Peyton Pierce, six foot one, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, out of Lovejoy High School. Get this, Mike. 
Uh, you've heard me talk up Michael Hawkins, the fine four-star quarterback down at Allen High School, and how he is the only sophomore, save for Kyler Murray, to ever start at quarterback for Allen, right? Well, there's only been one freshman who has ever started at any position for Allen High School, and that is Peyton Pierce. So he spent a year at Allen, started at linebacker for them, and was actually going to enter this past season in competition with Michael Hawkins for the starting quarterback position. But then his family moved. He ended up transferring to Lovejoy, the alma mater of current OU quarterback Ralph Rucker. And ever since his arrival at Lovejoy, uh, his recruitment has really taken off. He's got upwards of 20 FBS offers now. But here's where it gets interesting, and here's where Oklahoma fans should take note of the Sooners standing with this kid. His great-grandfather played at Oklahoma. His grandparents still live in Norman. And perhaps most notably, what he told me when I visited him on Saturday was, look, man, my dream was always to go play for Brent Venables at Clemson. But I grew up an OU fan. So when Coach Venables took the head coaching job at OU, it was pretty much the best of both worlds. So yes, Oklahoma has a significant leg up on everybody else to land Peyton Pierce. And let me tell you this much, Mike. If OU can lock down Pierce and Michael Hawkins in the 2024 class, in addition to David Stone and Stacey Gage, in Stone and Gage, you have two five-star talents, both of whom hail from the state of Oklahoma. Right, Stone from Dell City, Gage from Hugo. But in Hawkins and Pierce, what you have is a highly regarded quarterback and a highly regarded linebacker, middle linebacker at that, both of whom are very well-respected, young men of high character, and are going to be very, very capable of recruiting their peers to join them in Oklahoma. Also, two guys that live and breathe Sooner football. If Michael Hawkins ever gets the offer from Oklahoma, I'm almost certain that's where he's going to end up. Peyton Pierce does have the offer from Oklahoma, and he's committed to taking all his visits and seeing through the process before he makes a decision, which he's angling for next spring. But I'd be shocked if he's not a Sooner in the end. So what you have in those two, if you get them, you got two guys that are really, really close friends. Both of them play the leadership positions on either side of the ball. And one of the best programs in Texas high school football. Bingo. It is all there for the Sooners in 2024 if they play their cards correctly. And in Peyton Pierce, not only do you have a leader, not only do you have a guy who's very heavily pro-OU, but, man, Mike, he is going to be a dynamic football player at the next level because (laughs) he's already physically ready to play linebacker in the FBS as a sophomore in high school. 6'1", 225 pounds. He's wrestled his entire life, and you can just tell by the way he's built. Like that dude does not need any physical development when he gets on a college campus. That's good for Oklahoma. That sounds really, uh, really good for the Sooners. And uh, 2024 is shaping up to be maybe a historic class for Oklahoma. Obviously, 2023 is important, and the Sooners are making inroads there. We've talked about, you know, Brent and his staff and their philosophy, how they, uh, they're they going to make every offer count. And, you know, if you're committing to us, you got to commit and not visit anyplace else. They want guys who are really committed. So Sooner fans going to have to wait a little bit for these classes to come to fruition. But once they do, 
Uh, they look pretty good. And 2024 could be something extremely special. You've talked about that for a while. All right. Welcome in on a Monday. It's good to have you with us. want to thank uh, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated servicing the greater OKC area since 2007. You can call them up 405-579-3113. That AC is going to be working overtime, man, even this week. In the 90s already. So give Tim Lasher his company a call. 405-579-3113. Steelman and Thune at noon just underway. Let's scout one of the opponents, the Longhorns. I had a uh, bold prediction made by a Longhorn fan that I know pretty well. Tell you about it coming up next. All right, welcome back. Steelman and Thune here on a Monday edition on uh, the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. We'll head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a bit, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. That is the number. So uh, 2024, we're talking about uh, Peyton Pierce, the linebacker, Stacey Gage, the running back, David Stone, the D lineman, Michael Hawkins, the quarterback, all these guys will be what top twenty-five national players, top thirty national players. Yeah, 50? I don't think all of because when you're talking about top twenty-five, those are all five stars. Yes. So I would say all of them will safely be in the top one hundred. Top one hundred. Yes. All right. All of them will be top ten at their respective position, likely top five. And you would put the percentage chance that Oklahoma gets all four right now at what? All four. Ooh, all four. See, if, if you're talking about all four, the percentage chance that they get all four is probably not greater than 50%. I would say eh, 35 40% that they get all four. But <laughs> I would say three out of the four, if you're going to say pick any three and Oklahoma gets those three out of the four, 75%. What about the CNC factor, the creeps and collectives, the creeps like Mule Shoe and their collectives yeah, and Jimbo Fisher? Well, uh, when I was doing my write-up yesterday for my conversation with Peyton Pierce at OUinsider.com, one of the things I talked about with him in particular was that personality-wise, that dude's Ethan Downs. He's like humble, mature, gets it, shake your hand firm, look you straight in the eye, that type of kid. And he... he I'm hesitant to say that just because of the direction of college football, I don't want to say that based on one interaction with somebody, I'm confident asserting that they can't be bought. But generally, you interact with somebody enough and you have the chance to look them in the face and actually have a conversation with them. You can tell what their motivations are and what they're in it for. And I don't get the sense that Peyton Pierce is one of those kids who's going to be able to be bought. I I have the same frame of mind with Michael Hawkins, with David Stone, and with Stacey Gage. I don't think any of those four are going to be guys that are swayed by the promise of big money. Yeah, and it's not like, oh, you can't do anything. I mean, the Sooners are doing what they can do, and uh, they've got their collectives coming up. We saw the one for Oklahoma, and that uh, the Sooners are making every effort to be competitive uh, in that, in that uh, I don't want to say marketplace, but in that respect. And uh, the, the problem is, you know, uh, it, it appears that A&M has unlimited resources right now, and, of course, Muleshoe has no shame. And uh, they are – you know, apparently have some pretty good money out there. And there are a lot of opportunities, obviously, in that market out in L.A. But, yes, you want players who are totally 
bottle in. And it sounds like maybe Peyton Pierce, if he ends up at Oklahoma, would be one of those guys uh, based on your conversations with him. Do we have any uh, music for the Longhorns quarterback, Quinn Ewers? Let's hear it. One more time. All right, I had a, a Longhorn fan who covers the program. He doesn't cover them as intently as he used to, but told me that they love Quinn Ewers and he's going to be the best quarterback at Texas since Vince Young. Okay. And that the tide is going to turn in the Oklahoma-Texas series. First off, I would hope they love Quinn Ewers because they paid a whole lot of money to get him. Mm-hmm. And secondly, saying he's going to be the best quarterback that Texas has had since Vince Young Isn't is not a saying lot. a whole heck of That's a lot. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's like, who do you compare him to? Who is, I guess you would say, Colt uh, McCoy. Colt McCoy, that's it. Ellinger was was tough as nails. Wasn't a great college quarterback, but was was a leader, I think, in respects. Not the greatest leader of all time, but I've got respect for Sam Ellinger. I think he got pretty much about the most out of his ability. But, yeah, that's not saying a whole lot. And how many times do we hear this about a Texas player or a Texas team? They're always going to be overrated in the preseason every single year. You can bank on that. And now I got to see it to believe it from Quinn Ewers. You know what? Dylan Gabriel is a proven commodity so far. Now, is he taking a step up? Yes. But still, it's not like UCF is playing a total bunch of patsies, and he's already a proven commodity. And guess what? You can have a really good, productive quarterback at Texas and still have a crappy football team. Casey Thompson, by most standards, had a dang good season last year. And he did it all with a broken finger. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Texas still went 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not Casey Thompson's fault when you hang 56 points on the board at home. But Kansas manages to squeak out 57. What a great game. That game, one of the greatest in the history of college football. A lot of people might say USC-Texas in Pasadena. I'm going Kansas in Austin last year. The uh, Arch Manning situation... You think what now for Arch Manning in Texas? Most everybody think it's they they think it's going to be either UT or Georgia. I I don't know, man. I understand that that dude has the tools to be successful anywhere he goes, and he's going to be making a lot of NIL money wherever he goes, and he's going to have weapons that go with him wherever he goes. But Texas and Georgia, man. For that to be the spot for the number one player in the nation. And look, I've said many times, I don't think Arch Manning is that good. I think he's good. I don't think he's number one prospect in the nation good. So You said you like Malachi Nelson better. I do like Malachi Nelson better. I I will stand by that. I think Malachi Nelson is a better prospect. I think there are a couple guys in this class that are better prospects at the quarterback position than Arch Manning. I would say, if I had to rank him, He's probably right there in that four to seven range, comparable to where Jackson Arnold probably sits. So that's what I think of Arch Manning. I just don't know what the allure is for an elite quarterback to Texas and to Georgia. Because, sure, Georgia's been successful. They've never had 
an elite quarterback in the history of their program. Arguably the best is Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. And even he was not all that successful in terms of wins and losses and memorable moments while in Athens. Their last two national championship quarterbacks were Buck Ballou back in the Herschel Walker era, (laughs) who is an average quarterback, and Stetson Bennett a year ago. The best quarterback that's ever worn a Georgia uniform is Justin Fields. <laughs> and barely anybody remembers that he ever wore a Georgia yeah, uniform. Yeah, modern day. I they guess, just, did Fran Tarkenton play back there a long time ago? I'm trying to think if I'm he I'm sure he there. did. But uh, most people only remember Justin Fields in Georgia for the horrific fake punt attempt in the 2018 mm-hmm. SEC championship game. That's the only thing they remember about Justin Fields as a bulldog. Yeah, look, regardless of where Arch Manning ends up, it, if the spot is Texas, OU fans are going to have a ton of fun with that because, you know, even more so than Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning is going to be the target of their derision for years to come. If he goes to Georgia, well then, you know, it is what it is. Well, again, uh, you hear this stuff from Texas fans, and I don't know. uh, There's got to be a group of Texas fans that can temper their enthusiasm a little bit because they see this every year, too. It's just like if you're picked, you know, as a top 20 team every year and you're coming off five and seven, it's almost like people just expect, well, eventually Texas is going to turn it around, right? We're going to find out a lot about the Longhorns because week two they play the Crimson Tide right there at DKR. You want to know something? Over the past decade, Texas has nearly an identical record. One more win than Nebraska, which hasn't been to a bowl game in five years. Yeah. That puts into context just how bad Texas has been, despite all the preseason hype every single year and all the pundits saying this is the year that the Longhorns are going to turn it around. Look, Quinn Ewers might be really good. Like I said. That's very much on the table. He's got arm talent. He's got accuracy. I've seen him do some pretty special things. I've seen him with my own two eyes complete a left-handed pass like Patrick Mahomes. Okay? <laughs> it's, he, there, <laughs> there's no shortage of talent with that kid. The talent is there. But we're still talking about Texas. Yeah, uh, they can Texas it up very easily. There's no doubt. I heard uh, it was Keyshawn Johnson last week, I think on Friday, who said that he thinks Sark will be out after this year and that there's a good chance they'll make another run at Urban Meyer. Would that not be the most oh my Texas goodness. thing of all time? Oh, my goodness. That would be beautiful. Please, Lord, let it happen. I don't know, man. Is, is Urban's reputation too much in the trash now, even for Texas, to hire him? If that situation presented itself as a possibility, you know, Texas goes 7-5 and five this year and they don't like Sark. I mean, they, they pull the trigger fairly quickly on coaches. Oh, my goodness. Urban Meyer to Texas. I, there's nothing I want more, Steely. There is literally nothing on earth that I want more than that. That would be crazy. Urban Meyer, as head coach of the Texas Longhorns, is everything that the rest of the college football world deserves to well, see. Well, didn't he allegedly turn them down, you know, before the Jacksonville deal? Or yes, at least, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, allegedly. Um, 
And it, it was UCLA, too, that was rumored I to think, be a potential yeah, spot for I think Urban. UCLA was also rumored as well. You're right. All right, we got a break right here. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. Hope everybody had a great, great weekend. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line when we get back. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We're coming right back here on the Ref. All right. Beginning another week here on Steel Man and Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Monday. Hey, I want to shout out my friend Tony Sellers. Just heard from him. Has everything. Hope it's good. One of the true pros, one of the early pioneers of sports talk radio here in the great state of Oklahoma. He'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer in the uh, sports talk uh, radio, Oklahoma Hall, in my in my opinion. All right, uh, good to have you with us here on a Monday. You want to go to the text line, 405-651-3439. I haven't really thrown a topic out there yet today, but we can always do that. No, but. it's all good. People have all kinds of things they want to text about. Let's let's hit the text line with one of our 405 listeners. Y'all doing a fantasy football league with listeners? I got cheated last year by another station because the commish changed the playoff rules just to allow himself to be in. And the champ week was week 18, so my league best roster got blown out when they put in the scrubs the final week. Now, that sounds like something that Lincoln Riley would do as fantasy football commissioner, doesn't it? Big, big mule shoe energy. That's are right. You a, uh, are you a fantasy football denizen, Steely? You know, last year was the first time I wasn't in a league for a while. And, uh, you know, I like fantasy football, but... It kind of gave me a chance to root for teams rather than players. Yeah. Because you can get in a crazy situation, but I'll probably get back in one next fall. Yeah, I see. I have developed what I believe is the perfect fantasy football system. So, dynasty leagues are my favorite way to do it. Because if you just do year by year, if your league only lasts one season, then inevitably you get the people whose team, you know, their team starts to suck after four or five weeks. And they're just like, okay, I'm checking out. And they don't set their lineups for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah. And it's just not any fun to be in a league where you have, say, 12 teams and at least two or three of them are run by people who don't want anything to do with the day-to-day operation of their team. So what, what I've done is uh, if you do the dynasty format – then I understand that not everyone is a fan of tanking. But, you know, if your team starts to suck, then guess what? You can do what every bad NFL team does or every bad NBA team does or, heck, even every bad MLB team, and you can offload your assets, try to stockpile draft picks, load up your roster with players who are a year or two away from breaking out, and then you could be right back to the top of the league the next year. So... To ensure maximum engagement from the team owners, I always format my leagues as dynasties. And it's proven a pretty successful model. I also do half PPR. So, Mm -hmm. you know, point per reception, I think if you're doing a full point per reception, it unfairly inflates the value of wide receivers and tight ends in particular. But if you don't employ the PPR, and receivers aren't rewarded for their total number of catches, 
then production becomes very touchdown heavy. Yeah, because you'll get so six you do a half, a half point so for PPR, a half point for every, every reception is the happy medium. Yeah. Okay, that sounds interesting. You know what? You can always do relegation too for teams that uh, you know stink and owners who don't you know fully participate at the end of the year. You can do like the Premier League, have them relegated, where they can't come <laughs> back. You know, like. They go in that pool of uh, teams that get relegated. And then maybe they could come back and be the Leicester City team or whatever that won that one year. But, yes, coming full circle, though, I will do a Dynasty League this fall for any ref listeners. Or I, I shouldn't say any. For 11 ref listeners who are interested in playing in the same league year after year and staying committed to the process. Because that's the only way to play mm-hmm. fantasy football. You got to have everybody bought in. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. When you got twelve people that are fully engaged every single week. One listener says, "I still want to hear differences in Nebraska and Oklahoma stadiums and crowds from Parker and where to sit for the OU game in Lincoln." I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't been to a Nebraska football game at Memorial Stadium since 2008. It was about the coldest I'd ever been in my life. Nebraska played Kansas that day, and Kansas was not a laughing stock back then, as they are now. In fact, they were coming off the greatest season in the history of their program when they won the 2007 Orange Bowl at 12 and one, and actually received a vote as national champions. Yeah, somebody, some AP voter, at the end of that season, believed that Kansas was the best football team in the land. I know it's astonishing to think that that was only 15 years ago. Oh my gosh, that was 15 years ago. I feel old now. That is crazy. I don't feel old often, but that makes me feel old because I remember that Orange Bowl. Kansas and Virginia Tech. Um, But the last Nebraska game I went to, the only Nebraska game I went to, as a matter of fact, 2008, Nebraska versus Kansas. On that day, Dominican Sue caught a touchdown pass in a Miami goal line formation. And they ran a fake field goal on fourth down and did a pitch to the kicker, Alex Henry. Those are the two plays I distinctly remember from that game. Nebraska won 45-35. to It was frigid, windy, and otherwise intolerable. The environment was really fun. The fans were engaged. Despite how cold it was, they packed it out. Yeah, And that's the thing about Nebraska football fans, man. Regardless of how bad that team becomes, you will never see Nebraska football. They could descend into a decade of ignominy, the likes of what Kansas has experienced over the last decade. I'm going to sound like an SC fan here and say, that's because there's nothing to do in Nebraska. (laughs) You know, we got stuff to do out here in L.A. We don't care about football. But seriously, Nebraska could go through a period with their football program, the likes of what Kansas has gone through. And fans would not lose their passion or their fervence for Nebraska football. Now, I have I've never been to a game in Lincoln. I've been there inside the stadium on the old Big H Skyriders. So, are you, are you coming up this back. fall? I don't think so. I'll probably be doing the pregame from here. Come on! But uh, it seemed like that stadium, like the fans, were a lot more on top of you than they are in Norman. Yes. In terms of sitting, I mean. It used to be before, you know, StubHub and all the uh, ticket brokers got so big that usually you were in the visitor's section wherever they designated, but that's changed now. So I, as far as where to sit, I, you know, 
get somewhere near the 50-yard line, I guess. Right? And look, the coolest thing about that game, I, I, I'm just going to say this This sounds weird to say, and it's you're going to – I know there's going to be a certain contingent of OU fans that says, well, what, what are you talking about? I 100% disagree. But you better hope Oklahoma doesn't shut out Nebraska. You better hope Nebraska scores a touchdown because – when all the fans release their red balloons after the first Nebraska touchdown is scored, that's just really cool. It's one of the coolest traditions in college football. You know, you have the Kinnick wave. Mm-hmm. You have um, Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. There are some really – the wideout at Penn State. There are some really cool traditions across college football. That is one of the cooler ones, in my opinion, is the red balloons after Nebraska scores its first touchdown. I've always liked the Nebraska fans. Like I said, the OU-Nebraska rivalry back in the day was so much different than, uh, you know, Oklahoma-Texas was pure hatred. Even Brian Bosworth wouldn't talk a lot of smack during OU-Nebraska week. It was just totally different. Somebody said, Parker is nerding up fantasy football. Makes sense. No, I'm not nerding it up. Fantasy foot. I suppose fantasy football by nature is nerdy because it's a bunch of numbers crunching. But, no, I just – I tell you, I devised the perfect formula. It's what makes fantasy football most enjoyable because the worst is when you get people complaining about how the scoring format screwed over their team. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the way to play fantasy football such that nobody has any complaints about any of that. I have found one thing as I've gone through this journey in life that people will complain about a lot of things, a lot of stuff. But you said, do you have a complaint-free league near? Yes. Complaint, really? Yes, mm. and it was the first time I did a dynasty was the first time it happened. Fantasy football utopia. Yeah. FFU. Now, uh, everybody's trying to sign up for the uh, Fantasy Football Dynasty League via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hold that. We'll loop back around to this conversation in August. We'll get the league set up, but uh, it is far too early in the process for me to start putting names down on a sheet of paper. So we'll come back to this in about three months, and I'll take down names. We'll fill out the league membership spots, and we'll do this thing. Because if the uh, the knee-jerk reactions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line are any indication, uh, this is something that's going to be in demand with the listenership. So yeah. I'm oh, looking yeah. forward You'll to fill it. that up quickly, Fantasy no football doubt. is fun. It's really fun. All right, we are here with you on a Monday. Hope all the mothers out there had a great Mother's Day. They're the real MVPs. You know, Katie said that back in the day about his mom, Wanda, and he was right. Katie still left, you know. But uh, I'm, you know what? I think I'm almost over the Katie departure. So it's going to take me, that's been what, seven years? Something like that? Yeah, see, I never had to get over it because I yeah. have no allegiance to the. Thunder. I might, uh, I might think about forgiving Mule Shoe in like the year twenty thirty five. I have no allegiance like in the here. NBA at all. It's it's liberating. I yeah. love it. I love having no stake in what's going on in professional basketball. You just root for a good game, and uh, tonight Boston at the Bucks, big one for the Celtics on the road to try and even that series, and the Grizzlies and Golden State tonight. Out in the Bay Area at 9 o'clock. Both games are on TNT. Boston-Milwaukee, 6.30. Grizz and the Warriors at 9. Break time right here. And uh, we are coming back. We'll talk a little uh, Sooner Women's Softball when we get back here on The Ref. All right. We haven't heard from uh, Sixpence None the Richer in a while. But uh, there we go. 
There we go. All right. Uh, somebody asked me something very interesting. The uh, I have a few people who text me. They have my number, and they just decide, you know what? I'm going to skip the uh, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. I'm just going to go directly to the source. Steely, describe the uh, coaches you've covered at Oklahoma in three words. That's that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Switzer. Extremely loose confidence. Okay. Uh, if that's possible, you know, he was just, I think that's one of the reasons why his teams won so many of those close games. I'm not saying he wasn't a disciplinarian. They had rules, but Barry also made it fun. And his players love to play for him, and they made so many plays in those big games. I would go extremely confident, loose. Gary Gibbs. <sighs> solid, tough, unlucky. A solid coach, or now let's go with this solid, tough spot. Okay. Schnelly. Totally <sighs> arrogant clown. <laughs> All right, John I, Blake. I think at one time, Howard, he that 84 Miami team beat the Husker triplets with uh, Gil Rozier and Fryer. I'm not saying that. But, you know, he just walked into Oklahoma like he owned the place. You know, and changed the uniforms. And, I mean, he was just full of himself. Uh, John Blake, personable. But overwhelmed. Can I use but as a word? Yeah, yeah, sure. Personable, but overwhelmed. Perfect. I think that's a perfect description of John Blake. All right, big game, Bob. Um, tough, confident, disciplinarian. Stoops, you know, was when he walked in, you know, right off the bat, you know, hey, no, we operate with no excuses. And uh, Bob, all he did, like I said, was resurrect Oklahoma football. That's it. All right, so this brings us to the fun one. Mule shoe. Oh, gosh. Uh, hmm. Long pause. Bright. Untrustworthy liar. Gosh, I felt like we were on the 18th green at Augusta there for a second, just waiting for the yes. second and third words yeah, to drop. Right. Bright, untrustworthy liar. How about that? Does that work? I'm I, down with it. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think if Switzer, if that's – I want to put extremely confident. Um, hell, I knew he was going to win the football game. You know, that's Barry Switzer. and uh, But loose. I mean, his players – uh, it was an interesting combination of being, you know, being very well coached. And Barry Switzer, I don't think, gets enough credit for how good he was, you know, as an offensive coordinator. He saved Chuck Fairbanks' job. I mean, uh, you think of the uh, Oklahoma going to the wishbone back in the day, and that completely turned the tide for Sooner football. I mean, the first Oklahoma game I went to, they lost to Kansas State at home, 1970. Next year, they were in the game of the century – against Nebraska with a Nebraska team that was probably more than four points better than they were. Oklahoma was great offensively and average defensively, maybe above average defensively. Nebraska was really good offensively and really, really good on defense too. 
So, but Switzer, uh, you know, as an X's and O's guy, I don't think Barry Switzer gets enough credit because he was really a good X's and O's coach as well. All right, uh, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, uh, how about some great food, some great music, and the great outdoors where it's a kid-friendly environment and you can have a great time? Well, we've got it for you. Beats and Bites is back. The uh, 2022 Beats and Bites schedule kicks off on May 28th, Night Ranger. And Starship with Mickey Thomas on May 28th, so not too far away. And then Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something on uh, June 18th and July. Two great shows to pick from or go to both. The Randy Rogers Band, July 9th, followed by a great fireworks show right afterwards. And then Scotty McCreary on July 30th. So that's the lineup for Beats and Bites 2022. Again, Coop Ale Works, the great craft beers. They've got games for the kids, retail vendors. The very best local food trucks will be out there as well. And you get some great music. And the individual tickets are a true bargain. They're only five bucks. Only five bucks? Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Sister Christian itself is worth five bucks. So as we built this city, I know some people don't like that song. But that is that alone. You, you combine those two songs, five bucks just for those two songs. Starship with Mickey Thomas in Night Ranger, May 28th. And again, Riverwind Casino. Beats and Bites 2022. Get your seats, your individual tickets at Riverwind.com or at the box office. They're, they'll go quickly for all these shows. And again, they're only five bucks a piece. All right, we'll start with Sooner Football when we get back. Some recruiting stuff to get to. Parker's the man for all the insight there. And we'll uh, find out what's happening next here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Taking you through a Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Again, take exit 72 for a great deal on a car or a truck. And that great guarantee they have oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, over the weekend, we learned that Gary Bohannon, who uh, started and beat the Sooners last year in Waco as the Baylor Bears quarterback, committed to UCF, the University of South Florida. The Sooners have, uh, you know, they've thrown it out there. They're in the, uh, they're looking and shopping for a backup quarterback. You know, Nick Evers uh, came in early, great kid, super talented, but you'd rather not have to play Nick Evers next year. Uh, and there are other options for Oklahoma, but are the Sooners in desperation mode for a backup quarterback now? Uh, Parker, what do you think they turn to next? No, not necessarily, and they did host another quarterback this past weekend whose name is not Gary Bohannon. Uh, that would be Davis Bevel, formerly of the University of Pittsburgh. You may recall he played in, oh, now I can't even remember what bowl game Pitt played in. <laughs> This past season, but obviously Pitt won the ACC championship, went to one of the New Year's Six, but it might have been the Peach Bowl. I think it was the Peach Bowl. But Kenny Pickett, of course, future first-round NFL draft pick, opted out of bowl season, so Davis Bevel had the opportunity to come in and play for Pitt in that game. Was pretty efficient. I want to say he went 17 for 22 in that game and entered the transfer portal uh, at some point after the season and is going around evaluating his options. Oklahoma is one of the options uh, on the table for him, and the Sooners did host him on a visit this past weekend. Now, that's a guy that, like, like we've been saying, Mike, it's going to take a particular type of player to be willing to come into Norman and be QB2. 
Davis Bevel kind of fits that bill because he's got three years of eligibility left. He's very large physically, six foot five, two hundred pounds. Uh, so he's he's got some size, which is you know kind of the one thing that Dylan Gabriel doesn't have. He's a shade shy of six feet tall. So they're two di- very different styles of quarterback. But Davis Bevel is experienced at the Power Five level, has taken meaningful snaps before, but he's not in as much of a rush to put up tape as somebody like Gary Bohannon probably is. All right, so for Davis Bevel, you can say essentially the same thing you were saying to Gary Bohanna, which is, look, come in here, you're going to sit year one. Just Let's just get that understood. You're going to sit the bench in year one. But come 2023, you're going to have the opportunity to compete for a starting job. We're going to give you a fair shake. You're going to have the chance to be the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma in the fall of 2023 if Dylan Gabriel moves on. If you win the job, great. Guess what? There are very few schools across the country that are going to prepare you for the NFL as a quarterback quite like the University of Oklahoma. There are very few few schools across the country that have as decorated a lineage at the quarterback position as the University of Oklahoma. But if it doesn't work out for you here, Get your degree, grad transfer somewhere else, go play a year or two somewhere where you can start. But if it works out for you at Oklahoma, that's just about the best case scenario for you in terms of your ability to perform in front of NFL scouts and be able to put up tape that people are going to see, notice, take stock of, and be cognizant of heading into the NFL draft process a couple years down the road. So I'm looking at his bio on the uh, pit. Uh, you know, football sites. And, yeah, they list him at 6'6", 235 pounds. Oh, wow. He's even bigger than I gave him credit for. <laughs> that would be – I don't think there's ever been a bigger quarterback at OU than that, I mean, in terms of uh, stature. Tommy Grady was pretty big. Yeah, Tommy Grady would be probably in the in that ballpark. Um, Brent Rawls, Mr. Fell Out of the Pickup Truck. Yeah, Brent Rawls was, was pretty big about as well. 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", maybe. We'd have to research the height. Somebody do it for us on the text line. All right. The height of Tommy Grady and the height of Brent Rawls. Garrett McGee might have been like 6'3". I'm fairly certain Tommy Grady was 6'6". He was a big boy. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself on this, but okay. offhand, Tommy Grady is the one that comes to mind. So, six seven. Six seven six, for seven. Tommy Grady. Yep, wow. Holy cow. That's what he was listed as. Um Yeah, there can't be anybody taller than that that's ever played quarterback at OU. It's got it's gotta be Grady. Blake Bell would have been Blake six, Bell three, was six, six four. Six. Was he six six? He was. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, somebody just put on the text line, the belldozer, Blake Bell. Yeah, but still, uh, Tommy Grady's <laughs> Tommy Grady's even bigger. So uh, the leader in the clubhouse right now is Tommy Grady, unless the Air Comfort Solutions text line uh, can come up with an answer that tops that one. But, yeah, Blake Bell uh, is listed at 6'6", six six, 252. Tommy Grady. Bradford's was 6'4". I'm sorry, a couple people texting in. Bradford's 6'4", Brent Rawls 6'5". Yeah, Tommy Grady's listed at 6'7", 245. By the way, he only recently retired from arena football. Like He was he was one of the most decorated quarterbacks in the history of that league. Really? Yeah. 
He played for such teams as the Oklahoma City Yard Dogs. Yes, I remember that. The Utah Blaze, the Pittsburgh Power, the Jacksonville Sharks, the Washington Valor, and most recently, the Albany Empire. Hmm, interesting. Uh, So we don't have uh, the only one that we didn't get. We got got Bradford 6'4", we got Blake Bell uh, also. And Brent Rawls was 6'5", Tommy Grady 6'7". UCF and the University of South Florida are different schools. Where did the Baylor quarterback go? USF, University of South Florida, playing for the Bulls. In Tampa. To be honest, I would play in Tampa too. if I could. Like, I don't fault Gary Bohannon for that decision at all. By the way, do we know anything about who Davis Bevel is also considering? No. I don't have any insight on that yet. He sounds like a financial advisor. He really does. Like, he's definitely a white-collar type of name, isn't he? He sounds like a dude, yes. I don't know. Let me call my financial advisor Davis Bevel and see what he has to say. But if he can fling the football, who knows? Who knows? But um, And if you're Nick Evers, you're not upset by this, are you? Like, I mean, I'm sure he's competitive. You've seen that kid. By the way, what a family. What a kid, man. Already, the stuff he's doing, very impressive. But, you know, they they just don't want to have to use him this year unless they absolutely have to. They're looking for an insurance policy more than anything else. A good, solid, like Julia Chu insurance policy. Oh, look at you working a promo in. Well, that's right. I mean very trustworthy you want somebody you can trust right so there you go that's what they're looking for is the backup quarterback but we don't know again in terms of who's in on him yeah by the way uh the jordan addison story still hasn't uh it's still he's i know we're, we're back around a monday and jordan addison still hasn't committed anywhere you know you think that mule shoe said all right we're gonna wait six or seven days He's very devious, very devious. You can't trust the man. So I still believe it's going to be the same deal with Caleb Williams. You may have to wait a while. Eventually, there'll be the tweet with him in a USC uniform and Mule Shoe gloating about it. Or, may, hey, you know what? Maybe Nick Saban walked into Jordan Addison's house and was like, come on, dude, I'm Nick Saban. Maybe that's what's holding it all up. Maybe Alabama is legit in their pursuit of Jordan Addison. But, again, with everything that came out about Jordan Addison strongly considering entering the transfer portal Mm -hmm. in the days leading up to his name ultimately appearing in the portal and all of the reports that USC was the likely destination, I don't think that comes to light in that fashion if it wasn't already predetermined that USC was where he was going. So, again, I would be very surprised if it's anywhere but USC in the end. Yeah, I would, too. I, You know, not that anybody would like to see the rich get super richer, and Nick Saban is already, you know, uh, Elon Musk of college football. Uh, but you would rather see him go to Bama than SC. Or is Elon Musk the Nick Saban of technology? Uh, good could, works either way to me. Works. E- Do you think uh, Mule Shoe has uh, Clark Stroud check his Twitter so he doesn't have to look at it? Well, Clark Stroud doesn't have a Twitter anymore. 
Does he? Yeah, but he, he can check Neil Shoe's phone for him. He does everything for yeah, him. Yeah, well, right? that, that would make sense. He's like right? his mini me. If Clark Stroud is just ghost tweeting for Mule Shoe, Clark, check Twitter, see if they still hate me. <laughs> uh, one listener asked, what about the receiver from Arizona State that visited this weekend? Yes, L.V. Bunkley Shelton. L.V. Bunkley Shelton is another financial advisor. <laughs> That's the, that's going to be the new law firm in Norman. <laughs> Bunkley, Shelton, Bevel. <laughs> What's the word? Do we know anything? Oh, no. I mean, people I talked to in OU's corner regarding L.V. Bunkley, Shelton's visit were very, very pleased with how things went and optimistic that he is going to be a Sooner in the end. The other thing, though, they also hosted J.J. Hester over the weekend, the former Booker T. Washington yeah. standout who played his first couple years of college ball at Missouri. So... Oklahoma's only going to be able to take one or the other unless they pull a couple maneuvers to fudge first, the numbers a first, little while. First come, so, first serve? Yeah, I I don't know if both of them end up Sooners. To my knowledge, at this point in time, there is only one spot for a receiver and one spot for a quarterback unless, like I said, they manipulate the numbers a little bit and rearrange some things, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. It could be done, but I think it's going to be either – L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, or J.J. Hester, not both. Wow. That is my belief on the situation. L.V. Bunkley-Shelton. Sounds like he stays at Downton Abbey, doesn't he? (laughs) Oh, we're going to have fun with that. The law firm of (laughs) Bunkley-Shelton-Bevel. That's right. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Good stuff on the text line. Thanks for helping us out on the uh, the Sooner quarterbacks and the – the uh, large Sooner quarterbacks who are above 6'3". We know Bradford 6'4", Rawls 6'5", Blake Bell in the 6'6 range. We also know that Davis Bevel is 6'6", 235. But we don't know that he's going to end up being an Oklahoma Sooner yet. All right, stay with us. Coming right back. Let's talk a little Oklahoma softball next. You know, that song works every single time. Jimmy Eat World, love it. It's a good way to approach your life, if you know what I'm saying. I am currently, uh, while looking through uh, my various sports notes that I did over the weekend and this morning, I'm also shopping for El Paso Chihuahuas uh, gear. Why is that? Because we have a Chihuahua, and their logo looks like our Chihuahua. So I may have to get some El Paso Chihuahuas gear. They got caps, got a nice T-shirt. I think I'm going to have to make a purchase. So, uh, anyway, let's get back. Troy Aikman was 6'4". Man, we've got people doing all kinds of research for us. Hey, uh, I don't know if I don't know if this was – if this had come across your wire yet, Steely, but we have a bit of news. Breaking news. So, uh, not only is Tiger in the field for the PGA at Southern Hills mm-hmm. next week. Phil, official. But so is Phil. Phil made it official, huh? There we go. Yes, the uh, PGA is a week from this Thursday, so we're 11 days out. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be very interesting to see the response that Phil gets and uh, what he says in his media session, you know. I, I don't know that they would let him uh, – look, who knows how it's going to happen, but all these questions about the uh, – 40 million in gambling debts and, you know, the Saudi remarks that he made. Those are some scary, you know, MFers. And, but yet he still, you know, was, appeared to be willing to go over there and take the money. 
I think we know one thing that the Saudi Golf League is not dead by any means. Uh, you're going to see more people go over there. Uh, again, I think it's going to be the over 40 crowd, uh, you know, a lot of those guys. But uh, it'll be interesting to see because Phil has always been one of those guys walking amongst the uh, patrons wherever with the thumbs up and the smile on his face. Now, I'd heard some stories, and you never know what to believe, that, you know, Phil's like that when he's on the camera, not necessarily like that in real life. But you know what? A lot of us are like that. I mean, not a lot of us, but some of us. I mean, I'm not as super energetic a lot of the time when I'm not on a microphone because you've got to be fired up. You've got to be, you know, have some energy about you. That's, but I don't go walk through life, you know, as supercharged as I try and be. And maybe I'm, I'm not as supercharged as most, even on the radio, with my delivery or everything. But you know what I'm talking about? So I can see that you don't have to be on all the time. Now, it doesn't mean that you're totally different off the mic or off camera or whatever. But Phil's been accused of a little bit of that. But I, I'm glad that Phil's coming. Southern Hills is going to have some good crowds. Tiger, obviously, all signs are pointing to that Tiger's going to be there and he's going to play barring a mishap uh, over the next 11 days. Scotty Scheffler's already gone out there, played a practice round, apparently played very well. Number one player in the world, uh, Masters champion. So uh, Southern Hills is a great golf course. And uh, I love the exchange, you know, Kerry Cosby going out there with Tiger. And, you know, this is an unfair advantage on whatever that fake account is. I, I can't. A lot of people think it's Patrick Reed's wife. Like, dude, that happens all all the time, you know, when uh, when Tiger was out there playing a practice round. So, anyway, a week from Thursday, they'll be teeing it up at Southern Hills in Tulsa. By the way, I saw on CBS this morning, how did I not know this? Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa. Did you know this? Bob Dylan Center? There's a brand new Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa that opens tomorrow. No way. It's like a museum of Bob Dylan's notebooks. They've got some of his paintings, all kinds of you stuff. You said it opens tomorrow? It opens tomorrow. You want a road trip up there? I'm Well, I have to do the stream is God. the problem. But eventually we need to get there. You're a Dylan guy. Yes, I am. And uh, it's got – I saw it. My brother said, did you hear about the uh, Bob Dylan? He called it Museum in Tulsa. And I'm like, what? Are you, you're not thinking about the Woody Guthrie Museum in Okeem? No, no, no. It's the Bob Dylan Museum in Tulsa. I'm like, what? I actually I actually want to drive up there this week and see it. And so I watched it. They had a whole feature on it on CBS Sunday morning, which is a great show, by the way. If you like art and music and literature and, and really cool stories, it's, it's a great – like, if you want to have some coffee on a Sunday morning when you're doing something, that's a great show every Sunday morning. I DVR it every week. But I hadn't watched it yet, so we sat there and watched it over – at my mom's house for Mother's Day yesterday. It looks really cool, dude. Bob Dylan Center. Did you Google it? Yes, I did. So hours are 10 to 6 p.m. It says, with the exception of the grand opening on May 10th. So what are the, what are the hours tomorrow? I need to know because it's going to take me a couple hours to get up to Tulsa after the You're show. You're fired over. up, aren't but you? Yes. Like I, I, I want to make this happen. It looks awesome. You go up to Tulsa a lot, though, for recruiting and stuff yes. like that. So you, you'll be there before I get there. But I want to get there, too. I love – Tulsa's a great city. I love the uh, – you know, it's just Southern Hills is awesome. The Philbrook's awesome. Uh, obviously, have Kane's Ballroom and all, you know, just a, it's a 
It's a really cool place. So <laughs> one listener says, so that's why Steely gave me the cold shoulder at PetSmart the other day. <laughs> what? What? Were you at PetSmart the other day? I was at PetSmart the other day. Oh, wow. It's been a couple weeks. I don't <laughs> think I gave anybody the cold shoulder, though. I don't cold shoulder people. No, 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 no. I don't cold shoulder people. Hey, by the way. Now, you- if you said, hey, Steely or something, I, you know, I'm old, so I don't hear well. Maybe I didn't hear you, but I promise you I wouldn't cold, sh- cold shoulder anybody. Hey, by the way, uh, you, cool. can, you can bet on Texas to win the Big 12 at 2-1 to one odds right now. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Oklahoma is the odds-on favorite, barely at seven to four. Okay, which is just a little bit better than two to one, but not by much. Oklahoma State at five to one, Baylor at fifteen to two, Iowa State is twelve to one, TCU is fourteen to one, Tech forty to one, West Virginia also forty to one. What's interesting to me is Kansas State at fifty to one. Wow, that yeah, that, those are long odds. That's Tantalizing. Of, of the four favorites, of are those that you know you look at Oklahoma being one, then you know Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Which one worries you the most as a Sooner fan? Let us know on the Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. What about you? Which one worries you the most? Baylor, probably. I was going to answer the same those. thing. Dave Aranda can coach, man. He his press conferences are a snooze fest, but man, he uh, he's a good coach. He's a really good coach. So you know, when they lose Matt Rule, you're thinking, man, because I, I was a big Matt Rule guy. But it is uh, it's really cool uh, for Baylor fans that Dave Miranda might might just be better. Who knows? Hey, someone someone tell me on the Air Comfort Solutions text line because I can't find the answer on the interwebs. Is the Bob Dylan Museum open later than 6 p.m. tomorrow? Mm. Because if it is, I'll be in Tulsa. Yeah, it looked awesome on CBS Sunday morning. So there was a big music celebration at Kane's Ballroom this weekend to celebrate the opening of the Bob Dylan. I think it's called the Bob Dylan Center, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Elvis Costello performed. Really? I got to get back in the loop somehow. Now, I wouldn't have gone because I don't leave the house that much. But plus, I wanted to see my buddy David's band on uh, Saturday night. But that sounds cool. One listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line says, hands down, most worried about Baylor. Tough, disciplined football team. Yeah, look, I think Baylor and Kansas State, honestly, are going to be the two thorns in Oklahoma's side. I'm not buying it on Texas. I don't know how anyone can. How many years in a row – are we going to do this off-season dance before we just decide, you know what, maybe we should chill on the Texas hype? Well, the good news is you have Baylor at home, you have K-State at home, and you have Oklahoma State at home. Yes. So That's, I, that's pretty good for I, Brent, you know, in his first year because I don't know that Oklahoma has quite the talent edge that they've had recently. It's still an edge, in my opinion, and it's also an edge because, uh, you know, I just think that uh, – you know, I know they didn't win it last year, but they still have a uh, more of a championship mentality, I think. Sure. Um, but the gap is not quite as wide as it used to be. So to have those games at home, is, I think, is good for It's OU. big. So the road trips this year are Texas Tech, right. TCU. Morgantown. Morgantown, West Virginia, and, of course, Ames, Iowa. The only one of those four I'm really worried about is that Iowa State game. And I feel like we keep coming back to it. That's a Thursday night game, right? Yeah, Thursday off a bye week. That could get hairy. But West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU, 
none of those three should present formidable matchups on the road. What percentage chance do you think that Brent Venables takes a personal day like Muleshoe did last year? I'm going to set the over-under at zero. Is there anything less than zero we can – and you know, if he does, if he does have to take a personal day, he's going to give you the full unabridged explanation. He was like the kid faking, you know, like yeah, hey, yeah, got to, we got a yeah, we got a issue over here. Like know, like Creed Bratton stepping what into the bus, that? playing a little hooky from work today. That is just so weak. And the dude was again scheming the whole time. Day. I thought I remember when that happened. I'm, first of all, I thought, man, I hope the fan, everything's all right. You know, somebody's not extremely ill or you know, gotten an accident or something. And now you look back and you're like, we were being played. We were being played like a violin since early in the season, maybe all season. I mean, just completely played. There we go. Yes, for the opening of the Bob Dylan Center tomorrow in Tulsa. That's going to be super cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. We are coming back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We are going to get to some OU softball, by the way. A lot more Sooner football as well. Keep it here on the ref. We got Parker fired up now that he learned about the Bob Dylan Center. This is my favorite Dylan song. It's a What's good yours? one. <sighs> Golly, man, that is so hard to answer. Probably serve somebody. Okay. But there's so many good ones. Greatest uh, lyricist of all time? I would say so. In my opinion, yes, as well. Love Woody Guthrie, who was in Oklahoman, of course. Uh, grew up idolizing Woody Guthrie and would hang around Woody Guthrie uh, late in his life. But, uh, yeah, the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa opening up uh, tomorrow. That will be awesome. By the way, uh, what can we say? Muleshoe, we were talking about, he took a personal day last year, and we said we were being played by Muleshoe. He played us like a, like a violin, just – so did we get Yo-Yo? No, Yo-Yo Ma is a cellist, right? Yes, he is a cellist. One of our listeners from the 918 said, Muleshoe didn't take a day off. Rather, he was close, really close, closer than most can see to coming to work that day. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. I like it. Really good stuff. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see – you know, how this – I can't wait for this next season. I do think that, look, there are more Sooner fans that more are more advanced in the grief stages or in the, uh, you know, denial, acceptance, anger. Um, what is it, denial, then anger, and then acceptance? Or I'm trying to think of the five stages again. I'm still in anger. No, I, I don't know. I've, no, I, <laughs> I've never really had an experience where I had to, like – Go through, go through all the five stages, so I don't have yeah. them memorized. Let me let me do a quick little uh, denial, search. anger, uh, acceptance, resolution. No, so you have denial, anger, bargaining, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Depression. Oh, acceptance is the final stage. Yes. Hmm. Bargaining. What? 
How are we bargaining? Well, maybe if Mule Shoe goes seven and five, I can get over it. Something like that. Is that bargaining? Yeah, sure. Maybe if Mule Shoe gets speared in a fishing accident with no fatal, you know, fatal wounds, I can get over it. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Bargaining. I don't know. All right. Uh, so Oklahoma won the Bedlam series in uh, women's softball, obviously over the weekend, beating uh, seventh ranked Oklahoma State. Kenny Gajewski's got a really good squad. That's a tough, gritty, really good team. And they pushed Oklahoma. But in the end, if you look at it, the Sooners outscored Oklahoma State 18-4 to in the series. Oklahoma State's defense, big letdown. Uh, made some critical errors. The Sooners took advantage in uh, timely situations, including Jocelyn Allo's grand slam in the fifth inning uh, yesterday on senior day, or on Saturday, rather. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, but the Sooners, again, uh, will be next up against either Iowa State or Baylor Friday at 1 p.m. over at Hall of Fame Stadium in the Big 12 Tournament. The Cowgirls will play Kansas on Thursday, and that's a 3 o'clock game. On uh, that side of the bracket, Oklahoma State and Kansas, Texas and Texas Tech, the Sooners have a bye, and again, they will play on Friday uh, against the Iowa State-Baylor winner. So you know that you are at the summit of uh, your sport when you're in a situation like this year's team that Patty Gasso has where it's a disappointment if you don't win a national championship, right? That's a heck of a standard. It is. And, look, some people will say, well, how can you say, you know, what if they go, you know, 53-3 and and they don't win it? How can you call that a disappointment? Because of the standard that has been set – championship mindset and this arguably could be the greatest college softball team of all time and you look at Jocelyn Allo uh greatest hitter of all time this pitching staff Nicole May struggled a little bit yesterday hope Troutwine came in and then Nicole May came in again but those three with Jordy Ball who's the sensational freshman I mean they've got everything their defense is really awesome as well they really don't have a weakness. I'm not saying they're perfect, but you can't look at them and say, okay, well, you know, what is a weakness? I don't know. Don't think there is one. But how many, I mean, I don't know that you can even say that about, like, Alabama right now. Is it a disappointment if an Alabama football team doesn't win a national championship? Uh, I, I mean, I, the standard's there, but I, I feel like this team is – Still, like a tier above anybody else in the country, and talking about the the really good teams, Virginia Tech, UCLA, Oklahoma State, you know, they're not perfect. They can be beat. Texas showed us that. But I don't know, even in college football, that we've had a, a team maybe since, maybe it would be that SC team that lost to Texas and Vince Young, where you thought that team is head and shoulders above everybody else. LSU 2019. Did we know that at the start of the season, though? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. But From the start of the season When you on, look back, like, yes, that yeah. team was unbelievable. I would say Alabama in 2018, that was probably the team in recent memory that you figured, okay, if there's a team that's going to go wire to wire and just mm-hmm. be completely unchallenged, it's going to be that team. And they did it for 14 games, and then Brent Venables happened. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking back, uh, going way back, like the UNLV team that beat Duke in the national championship game. 1990? Uh, yeah, 89 or 90. Yes, that year. And they won the championship game by 30. They beat Duke by 30. And then they brought everybody back pretty much, and they even added to their roster. Tark's team looked unbelievable. Uh-huh. And they lose to Duke again in the Final Four the next year. So that, you know, it's a team like that that I'm talking about. Their weakness is losing. Yeah, that may be, that may be it. But Patty Gasso has set such a high standard, you know, unbelievably high standard. So we'll see. But that was uh, obviously – I think Oklahoma State's good. I think Oklahoma State's really good. And uh, hats off to Kenny Gajewski. He's done a great job of that program. He's got uh, – obviously he was at the University of Oklahoma, was a part of that, what was it, the 94 OU baseball team, uh, was the field ops guy for a while. Uh, and again, has ended up being a, a really good coach at Oklahoma State. And like I said, um, the Sooners, it's kind of amazing when you look back because some of these games were close until the Sooners blew them open. And then you look back at it, and Oklahoma State was outscored 18-4 to in the series, nearly run-ruled on Saturday. And just when you thought, man, maybe Oklahoma State will get a game in this series, Jocelyn Allo had other ideas with that big grand slam in the fifth inning on Saturday. So... Anyway, uh, Sooner Baseball, good weekend in Fort Worth. They take two of three. The last two games of that three-game set, they're 29-17. and 17. They're really good uh, with their uh, RPI right now. They host West Virginia Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they play a single game at Wichita State before they wrap up the regular season in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Uh, but looking pretty good for Skip Johnson right now. Uh, obviously, I think they're going to be in the tournament. Uh, who knows what happens if they can somehow win, I don't know, maybe six of seven down the stretch. Maybe they could be in line for a regional. Possibly. We'll see if you can get that done. Uh, Oklahoma State played out of conference Southeast Missouri State again, and the Cowboys swept Southeast Missouri State. OSU plays at Dallas Baptist coming up uh, tomorrow night. And if you didn't hear, Gary Bohannon committed to USF, University of South Florida, not UCF, USF and Tampa to play for the Bulls. Uh, USF again. Uh, who was the old coach that was at K-State uh, with the Stoops? Uh, Jim Levitt back, back in the day, Jim right? Jim Levitt. And right. Missouri and Oklahoma were also in the running. But we, we thought when this news was coming out, like, it'd be a really good get for Oklahoma. We thought. Now, some of the people on the text line disagreed. But I thought as a backup that would be a really good situation. But it just seemed like a really difficult sell to get a guy, you know, who uh, has played in some really big games, won some big games at Baylor, uh, to sell him on being a backup quarterback. And uh, he committed to UCF over the weekend. USF. Did I say UCF? You said UCF. Yes. Did I must have done that earlier, <laughs> too? It's, it's, USF. That is, a, that is an all-too-easy slip USF. of the tongue. USF. Like, yes. Well, somebody – I don't want to – it's the University of South Florida, the Bulls. It's not the UCF – what are they, the Knights? Knights, yeah. Yeah. So – Anyway, USF plays their home football games in Raymond James Stadium, mm-hmm. Tampa which Bay is Buccaneers. obviously the home of my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, listen, if I were in Gary Bohannon's shoes, I'm sorry. I would have no problem signing up to go play at USF. Tampa versus Orlando for UCF. Tampa. Right. Tampa's Tampa far Tampa all the way. Tampa. I, Tampa's one of my favorite places on earth. It's one of the very few cities in Florida that's tolerable. You don't like Miami? No, no. Goodness, no. I hate Miami. Miami seems like a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) 
A lot of sand going wow, on. Wow, you, you went there. A lot of sand going on. Wow. I, I think Miami and Vegas. Those are probably yeah, the no, US those are the two. Those Asada are the two. And Gamora, it's Miami and Vegas. Yes. Well, Vegas is Sin City, and Miami, there's there there's some really bad characters in Miami. I don't know. It just felt sleazy. The last time I was there was for the uh, 5519 to SC. Oh, wow. And on South long. Beach. I mean, it's cool to visit, but the going in the restaurants and the clubs there, it just felt like douchebaggery everywhere. You know, yeah, you're, you're not sleazy wrong. people. You're not wrong. Very sleazy. They have good Cuban sandwiches down there. Not, I'll give them that. Not the salt of the earth kind of people like we find here in the great state of Oklahoma. Very, very sinful and sleazy and just, I, I don't know. I just felt like when you walked in there, it just felt like you were surrounded by sin. So, Mule Shoe's going to be coaching in Coral Gables maybe. within five years. Yeah, well, L.A., that's all about narcissism out there. So, maybe it's fitting he's there. All right, we're going to take a break right here. One final timeout for you. We've got Locked In coming up with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas at the top of the hour. Hope your Monday's going well. Some final sports notes on the way next right here on The Ref. Ah, yes. Speaking of dark horses... How about what happened at Churchill Downs on a Saturday? An 80-to-1 long shot that wasn't even supposed to be in the field and got in the field at the last minute, wins the Kentucky Derby, and that horse also has Oklahoma ties. This was the final call down the stretch at Churchill on Saturday. There you go. And if you saw the overhead view on the replay, it was amazing uh, how that horse was able to. Would, what would you, how would you, what would the word be, meander through? No, not meander, because meander kind of implies a sense of purposelessness. Yeah, uh, I guess na- too. Um, navigate? Yes, navigate, and, and then just had an unbelievable charge. 80 to 1. Unbelievable. And of course, if you saw the description of the silks for the horse, you knew, uh, you thought, wow, that's crazy. And then you find out the horse has Oklahoma ties with Rick Dawson, um, you know, and uh, who talked to a buddy of his playing golf out at Oak Tree about getting into the horse racing business. And the silks were described as Sooner Red and White Halves, white bars on Sooner Red sleeves, and a Sooner Red cap. This is owner Rick Dawson, who was uh, afterwards. At Churchill, certainly surprised, but not totally shocked. He's um, improved steadily every time, and my trainer believed in him. You know, early on, it was kind of, I think it was October, November, he called me, and he said, I don't want to get your hopes up too high, but he says, I really think we have something here. If we get lucky, we don't get hurt, you know, all those things that have to come to come to pass so that you can be successful in this business. And we took our time, and so I said, well, if you think we got, I said, we have a derby horse and maybe maybe so we went to the calendar first saturday in may and we backed up every five weeks from there and we started picking races that so that when we got here we wouldn't be tired we'd be improving 
and wow, what a plan. Oh my gosh, did we just run 2026? Oh my God, I told my jockey, I said, bring him back in 2026 and we'll win this. Are you kidding? We just ran 20261. Oh my gosh. I just saw that. Sorry. That was a cool deal. Congratulations uh, to Rick Dawson. 80 to 1. Unbelievable. Rich Strike winning the Derby. And the Preakness is coming up, what, uh, two weeks from it's be on the 21st, I guess. And then we'll see what happens with the Belmont, which will be three weeks, of course, after uh, they run at Pimlico in Baltimore. All right, uh, so you were talking about some good news after talking to Peyton Pierce, big-time Texas linebacker, and the Sooners' chances to land him in the 2024 class. You say look excellent, correct? I do. I do say they look excellent. And in general, Oklahoma's outlook in the class of 2024 as a whole looks excellent right now. That's going to be a fantastic class for Oklahoma if the momentum holds particularly on the defensive side of the football. Not only are you talking about guys like Peyton Pierce and David Stone, but you're also talking about potentially pulling a couple elite defensive linemen out of the state of Georgia in T.A. Cunningham and Heaven Brown Schuler. The Sooners are the leader in the clubhouse right now for Nigel Smith, who's going to visit Oklahoma for the third time in as many months in the second week of June. So, yeah, that 2024 class, Mike, look – it, not to say it's going to be bad in 2023, because it won't be. Yeah. The Sooners will but have a top 10 recruiting You've been class. saying that could be the breakthrough class really 2024 is going to be a watershed class. Now, by Job is dropping a top six? Yes. Correct? Fully expect Oklahoma to be in that top six. And who else? Uh, Makari Vickers, the four-star defensive back out of Tallahassee, Florida, just tweeted not too long ago that he's got an announcement coming on May 21st. There is a lot of confidence from the OU end of things that the Sooners are in good position with Makari Vickers. So that is one that I would keep an eye on. Obviously, that's that just hit the Twitterverse like 10, 15 minutes ago. So haven't really had the chance to dig into what that announcement could be yet. But just know Oklahoma continues to trend in the right direction in that recruitment as well. Sounds good. All right, we got to get out of here. I know you'll talk more with uh, Tyler about that with Locked In coming up here in a little bit. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you like great food trucks, you like a kid-friendly environment, outdoors, listening to some great music, we have the Beats and Bites Festival back at Riverwind for a sixth year, and we start the festivities up on May 28th with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas coming up on May 28th. Then a great show in June, June 18th, Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. And then in July, two great shows, the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th, followed by an incredible fireworks display, and Scotty McCreary coming up on July 30th. Beats and Bites 2022, you can get your tickets right now. They're only 5 bucks a piece at Riverwind.com or at the box office. And thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Have a great Monday. Locked in. Coming up next.